Let's get it, let's go. Mr. President here, got tomorrow in the building. We're running, we're running a tight ship. Uh, the Commish, Lord Dolan, they are out right now um, for various reasons. Um, but they they send their they send their condolences. Uh, they send their um, their their well wishes to, to all those who are listening. And I think we're gonna have a good show in store. It's 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 the second off season show. Uh, I think we have a, a lot to talk about here. Um, we've got a little bit, a uh, little NFL news that are happening, some first round draft pick changes. Um, we have a great segment where you know Jamal's going to break down some of these, the best kind of keeper prospects, um, some other, some other first round talents that you'll be hearing about in in the next couple weeks, and then we'll uh, we'll do a little uh, little war stories, a little parent corner esque uh, to sort of close it out. So we'll we'll start there. But first things first, Jamal, how, how you feeling? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, as you said, it's uh, the the depths of spring break with a with a five year old, so we're um, trying to manage through that. But all in all, we're doing well. Good stuff. Good stuff to hear. So you know, the draft is in two weeks from today, which is uh, which is crazy. Um, but the NFL is supposed to be a sleepy time right now, but they find ways to keep making news. A lot of lot of moves have happened since the last time we recorded. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle off a couple. Would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, the wide receiver market has exploded in the last couple weeks. Tyreek Hill traded, extended. Stephon Diggs extended. You know, we had Devontae earlier. What's your thoughts on the, the wide receiver market as a whole? Well, I think that it's just players getting the money that they deserve. Um, you know, this, these are not, with the exception of like Christian Kirk going to Jacksonville for that deal that he signed, um, these are the top of the top of the food chain wide receivers um and they are definitely getting paid like that um Tyreek Hill got his deal um Diggs got his deal um Hill got traded obviously from Kansas mm-hmm. City to Miami um in order to get that money but you know this is just you know this is what happens when you have um sort of next man up uh, mentality in the salary cap um it's whenever it is your turn to get paid you get paid and that's just get how it paid works well they're getting paid like top of the line quarterback deals probably like six seven years ago um speaking of quarterbacks we got we have one quarterback that was signed Derek Carr just signed a three-year deal the reports are like 120 something million you know probably around 35 almost 40 million a year um and then we still know that Lamar is out here patiently waiting in the in the in this closet to like come out and and get the deal whenever it is he seems like he's in no rush and Kyler Murray is now saying that he's not gonna play unless he gets paid so what uh what's your thoughts first on the car money there were a lot of chatter in the slack that like he's not worth that amount it's too much um and then what do you think the implications are for like these bona fide stars like like Lamar and definitely will and Kyler depending on you feel about him what it'll do for their markets yeah I mean I think for the car deal you know, 35 mil a year basically is what that deal is for um, for the next three years. I think that's a pretty fair deal. I mean, I see Derek Carr as the sort of the the line in talent um, between if you have a quarterback who is as good or better than Carr, then I think you have someone who you can compete for, you can contend for a Super Bowl with. And if he, if you have a quarterback who is less talented than Carr, then you probably can't, or you need to have a really, really, really good roster around that quarterback in order to com- contend for a Super Bowl. So, you know, I, I think that the money is about top 10, top 11, top 12, um, depending on how you look at the 
how how the the money breaks down over over the course of the three years. So I think it's fair. You know, it's it's interesting this idea of like you know the quarterback market. Uh, when you when you set the market, it's always like, oh, it's so crazy. I can't believe anyone would spend that much, you know, paying for a player. But the, the next deal always makes it a discount. Like the that Patrick Mahomes deal looks pretty good, you know. Um, that that Josh Allen deal looks pretty good. All things considered, when you talk about, you know, if Carr is the line of demarcation between, I think I have something in, and you're in search of a quarterback um, for an extra like what, you know, eight million. 10 million you know like that's not a lot not a lot more to sort of get like the best in the business so uh that's the market like i think you said i talked about inflation as like the reason but i think the you know can you explain a little bit about the in terms of the salary cap and i know we don't really talk about so like the percentage of the salary cap but um why why do you think that's a better way of seeing it rather than just a pure number deal yeah i mean look all of these numbers that any of these nfl players are signing for even the bottom of the roster players are signing for money that you know most americans most people will never see in their lives so the numbers look huge um to, just as a, a naked raw number um but they're playing in the nfl we're not the nfl has a salary cap and that that salary cap number keeps rising um year after year um with the exception obviously of the the COVID season i think 2020 mm-hmm. um when there was a dip i think you know relatively speaking as you pointed to the josh allen deal and the especially the patrick mahomes deal when those deals are signed in the moment it looks like a a huge deal a a big number especially a per year number and and a raw number but when you look at those deals three four years later those deals look cheaper relative to what their percentage against the cap um so even now with Derek carr making 35 million um this year you know that's what I don't know how what percentage of the cap it is now, but in two years that's going to be a lower percentage of the cap. So it's a, it's a less hard of a hit for management um, looking at how to improve the roster. They have they will have more room um, to improve the roster in year two and year three than they have in year one simply because the the um, the cap goes up. The cap keeps going up. This 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 funny money that I talk about when people talk about salary cap and dead money. I think it's the same thing, you know, Harry Roseman, the Eagles, is sort of known for the, um, he'll sign small deals and put dummy years on it just to extend it over like four or five years. It, like he just did it with like a $3 million deal and it's like, why is it a six-year contract just to spread the money out? But again, it's that same idea of like, well, the, the, the million dollars now, um, would be a lot cheaper down the road when the, the salary cap is going up. So he's just always kicking it down the road. And it's just like a different way of of, of sort of paying the stuff out. Some of it's like, it's like the analogy is like paying stuff with credit cards, but only if like your credit limit increases every year and you get more money. It's like, it's not a clean analogy, but um, but I think what you just said would makes a lot of sense. Um, that being said, though, there are two quarterbacks who are um, in, who are not paid. They both are up for extensions, and yet you have different approaches to how they're approaching it. Kyler Murray just came out and said, like, I think, you know, the thing is, you know, you, you delete your Instagram and you say, I'm not talking to anyone <laughs> to get some attention. And he decided that he's not playing now unless he gets a contract. And Lamar has basically said, I'm a Raven, you know, don't listen to any reports, but he also has inside an extension. What do you think, What are, specifically for Lamar, what are the implications of 
you know, him doing the essentially the Kirk Cousins playbook of ride the contract out, gladly take his two uh, two franchise years. Is it the same, or is there more complications to that? Well, it's the same overall because as you as you just described, it looks like Lamar Jackson is willing to hit the that franchise tag part of his um, relationship with the Baltimore Ravens, similar to what Kirk Cousins did um, with the Washington now Commanders. Um, it's different in that the the now Commanders were were only applying the um, non-exclusive rights tag to. Kirk Cousins. That means uh, Kirk Cousins was free to negotiate a deal with other teams, um, and if he negotiated a, 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 a contract with another team, he would have been able to take that back. He, uh, sorry, Baltimore, um, the Washington Commanders would have been able to match that offer, or say no, and whatever team that Kirk Cousins signed with, agreed to terms with, would have to get, send Washington two first-round picks. That's the non-exclusive rights tag. In this instance, I don't think Baltimore is going to apply the non-exclusive rights tag. I think they would have to apply the exclusive mm-hmm. rights tag, which is higher, right? Which, which yeah. is higher. It's a higher dollar figure. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, I think it's the difference between forty million and fifty-four mm-hmm. million dollars for the for any given year, um, and also that come with with that comes um, Baltimore can not allow. Um, Lamar Jackson to negotiate with another team, um, so that part doesn't apply, and you just Lamar Jackson would, would just get more money. Um, I think Baltimore would apply the non the the actual exclusive rights tag because any team um, would be willing to give up the two first round picks in, in exchange for Lamar Jackson. I think you know he's worth that. He's an, a former MVP yeah. player. Um, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So if they actually want to keep Lamar Jackson, I think they would actually have to apply a um, Exclusive an, an exclusive rights tag. So that's a that's a that's a great point. I think people aren't really talking about as much. So the idea that you know you you almost have to pay him the like that that exclusive right tag was I think like a you know a percentage of the top five salaries at your particular position, which is going nuts right now. And then the second time you get tagged, it's like a twenty percent increase on that number. Um, it's just like. These are ungodly numbers for any any team to sort of observe because again, like you know, you put them on the tag that that person is the full cap penalty is hit in that year. There's no spreading it out. You can't take advantage of what we just talked about with the the funny money and the cap going up over the years. You got to account for fifty four million dollars for this particular year, and and no one's got cap like that. And even the Jags wouldn't be able to take a contract like that. So um, it's just uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think we'll see. Um, he has so much leverage, and the only thing that can go wrong is like he either plays terrible or he has like a Teddy Bridgewater type injury. Um, so I'm rooting for him. Good for him, you know. Black man, get your money. Um, so I think one of the things that other teams are sort of looking, generally speaking, is you know the draft is coming up. The first round gets all the hype. We'll talk about a couple prospects, not just in the first round, but some other ones, but. Specifically, the makeup of the first round has changed. We heard about the huge deal, huge trade, Eagles and Saints sort of trade picks. Uh, essentially, you're talking about the Eagles trading one of their first three um, first round picks for a future first round pick and a future second round pick in 2024, um, and then they uh, and a third round pick this year, and then they sort of swap sixth and seventh round picks. So huge trade. They get capital down the line. Saints get an extra first round pick now. 
what's different this year is just the amount of teams who who are picking and who are not picking in the first round. Like, have you ever seen something like that before, Jamal? I have not. Um, I think we're looking at around eight teams that will not have a first round pick um, this year. And, um, you know, this is, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but the this is the draft to not have first round picks. Um, there's not a lot of elite talent in this, um, in this draft across positions. Um, so, you know, some would say that those teams like the Rams have um, planned well for this season, for this draft rather, because um, this is not the this is not the time. This is not the draft to get that top tier elite uh, prospect. I mean, speaking of the Rams, every, you know, we saw Snee, Les Snee with his shirts and Efton pick shirts. You know, he's, uh, he's starting the movement when people are just like I mean, you saw Miami give up picks. You know, you've seen the Raiders give up picks like teams who were just like forget it first round second round this year no problem right so uh it's interesting an interesting way of team building the nfl is a copycat league that i think overcorrects often so i wonder when people realize oh there's like a uh you know miscalculation in the uh in the in the way things are done two years from now you're gonna have another thought pieces and articles talking about like the importance of first round picks again and how like people have like overcompensated and traded so much away so just live you got to live with the ups and downs of it so anyway let's let's transition to particular prospects how are you thinking about the first runs you mentioned that you don't think the the there's high-end talent in this draft class how are you thinking it from like a fantasy perspective yeah i mean the so across positions um compared to previous drafts this the the top end talent is just down like we look at even you know, the Everyone talks about the quarterbacks being not as good as in previous drafts, and that seems to be obvious, but wide receivers the same way. Like, if you look at the draft grades of Devontae Smith and uh, Jamar Chase last year, they both graded higher than any of the receivers in this draft. You look at um, the offensive linemen. This is supposed to be a the, – the strength of this draft is supposed to be in the offensive line and, and the edge rushers, um, both of which over the last two or three seasons, um, those draft prospects graded higher than – the top end of this draft, um, the prospects at the top end of this draft. So, you know, the value in this draft is probably somewhere in the second or third round. Um, and this is more of a, a, a um, build the sort of the build your team up um, with quality talent in the draft, but not high end talent. Um, and from a fantasy perspective, you know, it, I started thinking about like, you know, if you're going to, if you're in a keeper league, what is a player, who are the players that you might um, draft, take like a $1 or $2 flyer on a stash on your bench? Um, maybe, you know, you only use them uh, in in the, the depths of the the bye week hell that we all find ourselves in in the middle of the mm-hmm. season. Um, but you really don't play those, you don't really don't play those players um, a lot, but you keep them because you may, you think they're going to develop in year two, year three, and you have them on your roster for a cheap price already. Got it. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense, um, and it's interesting. I've heard that expression too, where this draft is, you don't, you know, you don't get your Pro Bowlers, your All Pros from this draft, but you get your you get your quality starters, and um, I think it's one of the. It makes sense why some teams are either like I'm out, and I just like will get proven players instead of draft picks, and these other teams are like I need a lot of help, so let me get let me get eight to ten. You know, swings at the at the bat on a draft like this, with the hope that like you get a couple of good backups, a couple of good role players, maybe you get a you know a stud starter here and there. So, I think you're I think the the idea of 
stash and keeper players that uh, that can sort of help you maybe not week one, but during the bye weeks makes perfect sense. So are there any running backs or tight ends that sort of like jump in into this potential? I didn't, haven't heard much about running backs at all, but is there is anyone that I'm thinking of or is this just one of those positions that uh, were a casualty of this draft? I think they're both casualties of the draft. I mean, the the top end of this draft at the running back position, just I, I wouldn't recommend stashing any of them in, on your bench because you know there's so many running backs out there um, who, who you will actually end up needing over the course of the season. And I, you know, maybe maybe one gets to be able to be a, a full time starter as rookie year, but I, I actually I don't think so. I don't think any of these running backs um, are that caliber. And the same thing for tight end. I think they're all of the tight ends are basically third round you know, talents that the top of the tight end class is basically third round. Um, and that's even in this down draft, like there's not a Kyle Pitts in this, in this draft. Um, so I would stay away from all the, <laughs> from that, um, from doing that. Uh, in the, in the keeper yeah. League. I think the best case for sort of running backs is if you look at the Bryce Hall or, or Kenneth Walkers, it's a, uh, maybe they go into like a very advantageous situation. Right. And you kind of hope for that where like, maybe they can be the, Devante or Javante Williams of last year who still didn't get enough play at Denver that he should have right I think people were really high on him I think moving forward they're really high on him but uh he would just have games where he didn't do much but then like you, you're watching the game you're like man that guy's got juice like why is he playing more so maybe a Bryce Hall goes to a team that just could use him um and, and maybe that's compelling but that's a that's a good point yeah both both of those running back prospects have to improve their um pass blocking yeah. Ability. They neither neither was either like Walker was just not asked to do it a lot. Um, but both of them have um, big question marks around pass blocking, and that's really how running backs get to play early if they have an actual ability to stay on the field on passing downs. Or they're just otherwise they're liabilities. Makes sense. So wide receivers. Um, looking at the mock drafts, what's interesting is um, wide receivers get drafted. We all know that this year has about I'm counting five five receivers that people are saying could be going in the first round depending on you know varying spots uh you identified three that that you've that made sense who are the three and why them over some other ones that we've heard yeah so i think the, the first one is uh garrett wilson from ohio state i think um he plays first of all he's he tested very well um i think he ran in the four low four four range um and he's even though he's uh bit small he's like six foot 180 185 maybe um he plays stronger I, I think you know don't take this analogy too far but he's sort of like a mini Debo Samuel um he runs strong and he runs when he after the catch he's very elusive with with his speed and his mm-hmm. strength um so he's somebody who has some upside as far as you know maybe not this season but next season an ability to demonstrate um a run after a catch ability so Garrett Garrett Wilson, so I've heard that too. I think it's he's he's the wide receiver from Ohio State that I would probably prefer. But um, Chris Chris Olaf is not on your list. Why? Any reason why that didn't make the set make the cut? He does. He runs. He runs better routes than um, Wilson, but he's a not very strong receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not strong after the catch at all. Um, and so I don't, I wouldn't expect him to be a sort of a, a yards after catch guy. And I don't think he's going to be someone who particularly gets a lot of catches. He's not like a, he's not going to get, he's not going to be a receiver. Who like, even if he only has 80 yards, he's only, he has eight catches. You know, he's not going to get you that PPR value. I don't think. Yeah. 
Yeah. He'd be, he's another one of those, like, I'm not that high on him, but like, let me see the scheme fit. Maybe you're like, oh, maybe, you know. But again, downfield runner, you know, he's a, he, he's a like, hey, he could have a, he could have a great game, touchdown, three, four catches, you know, 80 to 100 yards, or it can be he caught one for 45 and caught another one for 10, and you're just kind of waiting there, like, yo, what the hell happened to this guy? Um, yeah, I mean, he's like, he's like a less, he's, he's sort of similar to Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a bit better of a route runner, but he's um, he's not as quick twitchy. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, like he's not he's not as quick with his with his movements. Got it. So you talked about Wilson. Who else? Who's another person that uh, that you that you're in favor of? So another um, receiver that that I think would have been the best receiver in this or the top prospect in this draft had he not gotten injured in the national championship game, and that's uh, Jamison Williams um, from Alabama. Um, I think. He's more like a a taller version of Deshaun Jackson. Um, like his top, when he gets when he hits that that last gear, he's gone. There's no catching him. Um, he has he's not a very good route runner, but um, he's definitely demonstrated a bit more of that than I think people um, realize. But so he's going to be a bit of a one trick pony type receiver like Deshaun Jackson was. But you know that one trick is very um, valuable at that position. It's a good, um, it's a good so trick. He's he's the person who. <laughs> He, he exactly he can he's the one who like you know five you know five games during the season he's going to have like you know two touchdowns 210 yards on seven catches because mm-hmm. he caught three bombs in each of those games and then he might not do much for some other games but um he's definitely somebody of value reminds me of uh tyler lockett um you know a couple had a couple a couple seasons like that where you're like tyler lockett somebody <laughs> one because they had tyler lockett and the next week they might have lost because they had tyler lockett because uh <laughs> He didn't exactly. show up where you, um, Yeah, I'm curious to see where he gets drafted. All these, like, you know, they're hurt. ACLs are not what they used to be. I feel like I'd rather have a torn ACL than, a, like, a ruptured Achilles. Like, you know, people, you know, Jamison might play in October, you know. <laughs> ruptured Achilles, you just don't know. We saw Sidney Jones and, like, now David Ajabo, who they tore their ACLs in their pro days. And Sidney Jones never really recovered. And I hope, I hope the Ed Rusher from at Michigan who was known for his explosiveness kind of gets that back, but it's always a tough thing to get hurt. The last game pro days, it just kind of messes up all your draft stuff. Yeah. It messes up that whole rookie yeah, season. Pretty much. Um, last receiver that you have that uh, people should keep an eye out on this draft. So this is a guy who I think people forgot about. Um, he had a good, he's it's George Pickens from Georgia. Um, he tore his ACL. I think during the spring game um, last before last season and came back and played was in like the last five games or so and through the national championship game. Um, this was, you know, he has all the accolades. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, he's a bigger receiver. He's a route runner. He's a, he's the receiver who can, you can rely on to get a lot of catches. I think um, once he gets going um, in the, in the league, um, not, not the top end speed that someone like Jamison Williams has, um, but good enough speed and definitely like the, the type of receiver who can be your best receiver on the team, best receiver on a championship contender kind of kind of player um, and sort of like a quote unquote bucket getter. Like it's third and seven. He's going to be able to get that um, that that backside dig, even though he's covered, catch the ball and get the first down. You need those, man. You need those. He 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 strikes me as a player that's going to go late in whatever round he goes and he's going to go to a good team and it's going to be like you know similar to like how dk came in and it was like oh man they had dk at the end of the second round and 
and he was huge because he's like he went to a good team had a good situation and the quote-unquote one-trick pony was able to do enough and he ended up being like a really good prospect so um that's awesome so those are those are some three names george pickens garrett wilson jameson williams it's like you know throw a couple shekels on them in the middle of the draft and sort of see how they they shake out um that being said, there are a couple other prospects that are highly touted, some even on the defensive side. Um, when you're watching the draft, who are the, give me a couple players that you're sort of interested to see how they fall, whether it's because it'll change the draft boards and sort of bust up all the mock drafts, or they're just like a really good player that um, people aren't sure, sure where they're gonna go. Yeah, so I think at the, at the edge position, um... Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, and um, uh, I forgot his first name, Thibodeau, um, for out of Oregon. Hutchinson from Michigan and Trayvon Walker from Georgia. Um, I, these are the defensive ends, edge rusher types that everyone has at the top of the draft as far as where they're going to be drafted, where people think they're going to be mm-hmm. drafted. Um, but these are, you know, I, I don't know that they have the production and they don't have the in each in their own way they don't have the production and um traits that do the one thing that we need from edge rushers which is get sacks aiden hutchinson and trayvon walker in particular are you know bigger defensive ends i think defensive ends who can stay on the field for all three downs and maybe kick inside when it's a uh, passing down and play um, tackle and sort of beat the guard off the, mm-hmm. off the ball but they don't have that bend that, that you hear about a lot about like you know getting around the offensive tackle but then making a beeline to the quarterback and not going wrap wrapping all the way around behind yeah. the quarterback they don't have that um so i think those and um Thibodeau, Kayvon Thibodeau, um with all of the traits that he has i think he had like seven sacks last year in college um which just wasn't great and the game that oregon like i think their best game was actually the one they where they beat ohio state um and he didn't even play so they didn't even need him for that game so i don't they they those edge rushers seem to be a bit of a risk to me. I think the edge rushers that um, will actually get sacks and, and ultimately help defenses from a fantasy perspective um, are Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, Arnold uh, Ibeketi, Ibik, I can't pronounce his name, sorry, Ibeketi from Penn State, um, and uh, Drake Jackson from USC. Because these are all defensive ends who have enough size to stand up um, against tackles, but also have that bend and have that speed to get to the quarterback. I think those are the guys who are going to be the ones who get sacks um, ultimately. Maybe you don't, they're not three down. They're not all three Mm -hmm. down Mm -hmm. on defensive ends, but they're the, they're the sack getters in this draft. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and they're all sort of like Jermaine Johnson is sort of Royals up. He had a great senior bowl, um, senior, senior bowl. But I think the, you know, Arnold, you know, Drake Jackson, I think they're all sort of, uh, End of the first again. They're gonna go to they're gonna go to good teams and and be asked to be just rotational players and like come in. You give me forty snaps, um, pass rush and sort of like get it done. So super super excited about that. And lastly, I gotta ask you about every draft has like a player that's got like the best name in the draft. Sometimes they're not that good of a player. This year it's a highly taught touted Sauce Gardner. Um, what uh what's your thoughts on him do you think he goes high as top five um i've seen some mocks to like the giants because the giants are picking i think five and seven or six and eight five and seven i think do you think he goes that high or is there another cornerback that you think or even secondary person because like, like a kyle kyle hamilton who do you think sort of goes higher um this year in the draft 
So I think um, Ahmad Sauce Gardner is the best player in this draft, the best prospect in this draft. Um, I think he could definitely go as high as like four to, I think, um, the Jets pick at four. Um, he could potentially go higher, um, but he is the most NFL-ready prospect here. He's 6'2", 6'3", so he's long. Um, he ran in the four fours at, 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 in the um, combine. Um, he is so his body type makes you think that he's best a best fit for a zone defense, sort of like a cover two, cover four kind of situation. Um, but he is an animal in man defense. Like you know, he he's able to cover all over the field. He takes away sides of the field um, when he's out there. Um, it's he's the one. Like he his his arm length is ridiculous. They they the the term like they're comparing him to like they're saying like he's like a pterodactyl out there. He's just he's just all over the place. So he's the one I'm the most excited about in this whole draft. Yeah, the crazy stat started as a true freshman, never gave up a touchdown his entire career. Senior year, you know, Cincinnati went to the you know the the, the playoffs and uh, he only allowed 130 yards in 14 games. People just knew I'm not gonna throw, I'm not gonna throw to that man because he he is he is that he's a bad man. So um, yeah, I think it's. You know, people were talking about like, hey, a team like the Eagles might try to trade up and get them, and it might be worth, like you mentioned, in a draft like this to like, hey, give up fifteen, give up eighteen, and, and maybe the third round pick to try to get like, uh, to try to get him, you know, trade into the top five. I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad. There's probably like him. He's probably like the prospect. I'm like, yeah, you trade up to get him. That's probably a good thing. Um, that's good. That's I good. Agree. So I mean, we'll um, speaking of drafts. I think we'll we'll probably have a probably have a live either a live show or definitely a stream. Just get some folks on, see the draft in in real time. Again, like I got to remind myself that you know we're recording this right now. It's like it's like ten fifteen, you know, and uh, uh, the draft right now we probably be like on the the sixth pick right now. The draft be so damn long, like. 15 minutes per section people use the whole thing and you're like yo we it's the first hour goes by you're still in the top five like get mentally prepared for that i need <laughs> to get mentally prepared for that so we'll look we'll look forward to that um so you know as you wrap this thing up you know you mentioned early on you it, it's spring break right now for you what what are you how are you hanging in there this is this is my first spring bake with like a kid um who is in school and i got used to that i got comfortable I got I got comfortable, and and all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, you gotta take care of them now for uh, eight business days. Figure it out. Um, what are you doing to sort of to stay afloat right now?" And it's tough because you know they're so used to being outside all the time and their classmates and talking to kids their age, mm-hmm. so and interacting with kids their age. So like, then it's they're just home with you, looking at you in the face, talking about they're hungry or they're bored or you know something they want to do yeah. something. Um, and you got work to do, so that's hard. So what we did this year um, is I just I have my mother staying with us for the week, um, just basically to be able to watch our son um, because you know there's just we just wouldn't be able to do any we wouldn't be able to do any any work in any kind of real way um, if, if if without my mom just being able to just you know take him outside a little bit you know take him backyard feed him you know make sure that he has attention. You know, make sure he's doing a little, little, little bit of math and you know coloring and that kind of stuff. So that's what we're doing because we learned a lesson the hard way in years past that um, that when 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 spring break comes, you know, you 
either you're going to take off work mm-hmm. or he's going to take off work for us because we're not going to be doing any work <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. No, that's a, that's, that's a good point. We're, we're, we're trying to do, we're splitting it up next week. We're going to, you know, we just took off for like, we'll just have, we'll just have vacation time. That's fine. Uh, but this week it's definitely been a little mix of nanny TV. Um, you know, you try to watch some like, you know, going deep in the, the, the homeschooling YouTube wormhole, which is interesting to say the least. Um, but you're right. It's the like, let's take a walk. Like, let's go to the playground. It's like, it's like, bro, it's 10 o'clock. Like, this is prime, prime meeting time <laughs> right now. Like, I gotta, I need the next hour and a half to really work for me. Um, but it's a learning experience. I think now it's the like, hey, you know, is there, is there, is there, a week long camp or something like that, or uh, I'll be, I'll be, I'm, I was on the hunt this morning, the, uh, you know, earlier today, looking for, looking for stuff for next year, uh, just because like now I know like this is this is no this is no joke, especially when the especially when the break ends up being essentially two weeks, like I can't just take two weeks off in the middle of in the middle of a quarter, right? You know, we try to we try to wrap up before <laughs> the you know wrap up the fiscal right here, so it's uh. It's interesting. I'm sure folks listening are in similar boats or maybe they have their own sort of situations or maybe you don't have kids at all. And you're like, oh, that sounds like uh, not my problem. And you're right. Um, but <laughs> either way, um, it's lessons to be learned. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about what teams think um, over the next two weeks and over the draft. So looking forward to that. The NFL is never dead. It's There's no such thing as the off season. It's just big stories that kind of just spill over from month to month. So with that being said, it's been a pleasure um, wrapping up here, Jamal. Appreciate your time filling in um, for the co-host, dropping some some valuable draft nuggets. You know, you're one of the few few people who are out there studying the tape, grinding grinding the tape like Greco sell out here. So we appreciate it, and um, we'll we'll get after it. So we'll probably touch base again before the draft, but if we don't, for all those who are listening. Stay safe, um, be humble, Living Legends Podcast. Peace.